I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the 72nd episode of Warriors Opcorp, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by sports columnists Scott Osler and Ann Killian. Scott and Ann have been with me all season, and they were on site with me in Toronto for games one and two of the NBA Finals. Late Friday night, Scott and Ann sat down with me in Oracle Arena's lower bowl to break down Golden State's Game 4 loss and analyze where it goes from here. After all, only one team in NBA history has come back from a 3-1 deficit in the Finals. We'll have our conversation right after the break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So we're back uh, Oracle Arena's lower bowl after... What, in a lot of ways, at least from my perspective, was a pretty stunning game for uh, the Warriors fell 105 to, to 92 to the to the Raptors, digging a 3-1 series hole. Uh, Warriors fans might know this stat. Only one team in NBA history has ever come back from a 3-1 finals deficit. Do you guys know who that team was? Oh, yes, we do. We we will never forget. It was the Cleveland Cavaliers against the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Just when just when you said that, a cool breeze, very chilly breeze, blew through, <laughs> blew through the arena here. Yeah. Uh, so that that was three years ago, and we all remember everything that had to go the Cavaliers' way for them to pull that off. And uh, I do think that that year the Warriors were the better team I can't necessarily say the Warriors are the better team right now the way the Raptors have played four games in they are the real deal I I don't think the Warriors have faced a more formidable opponent in this five-year run they really bring it all to the table they have Kawhi Leonard with his kind of prodding dominance he's so patient calculated and they have all the role guys they have the the complimentary pieces they have the savviness they have a coach that thinks outside the box who ran a box in one, not once, but now twice <laughs> in the NBA finals. He did it for a brief stretch in the third quarter tonight. Um, I'll just go right at it. What do you guys think are the chances that the Warriors can do a historic thing? And, and as the team that's not hosting, as the team who does not have home court advantage, come back from a 3-1 deficit in the finals. Well, don't forget, when Cleveland did it, they weren't hosting either. So, I mean, that that was uh, the, the situation. I think what has to happen is Kevin Durant has to come back and they have to, like, seamlessly integrate him and he has to play well and they have to be the team that we saw at the beginning of the finals. I, I don't 
I still think that they're just, they don't seem to have enough firepower. There seems to be a fatigue factor. Um, what when, when Toronto went on its run in the third quarter, you could just kind of see the air go out of the Warriors a little bit. And you usually just don't see that with this team, especially in an NBA Finals game. And I think I think the fatigue is catching up with them. I think even though Looney and uh, Clay came back and played great, uh, you know, they're not, they can't be 100%. It's just, it, nothing really seems in sync and it's, it's going to be tough. Um, unless like Kawhi Leonard gets suspended for a game like Draymond did. Um, yeah. Other than that, I think that, I think the Warriors are in significant trouble. I think they're setting us up for a great story because if they win, if they win three games now, if the Warriors win three games now and take this series, it'll be a, this is going to eclipse their previous four years and their three three titles. To me, that the, the key is uh, Steph Curry because it's it's kind of like Buster Posey uh, when the Giants won three years, three times in five years, and I always thought in those years, with all respect to all the other guys, that it was sort of as Posey goes, so go the Giants. He kind of led them all the way and, and all those titles. And to me, Steph Curry is, is the same kind of guy. He can't 27 points tonight, but a subpar performance, I think, and he can't do that. Uh, he, he's got to get 30-plus and and just lead and inspire the team. Yeah, in my mind, the Warriors only have a chance if Durant comes back. Uh, he needs to come back game five, and uh, I think that would present some challenges, obviously, schematically on both sides of the ball for for the Raptors and just kind of force them to adjust in a major way. And there's just been so many times in this series where the Warriors' offense has stagnated. I mean, the the Raptors have a very legitimate defense. They're the only team in the league other than Milwaukee that had both a top five defense and offense this season. And they've just been really good at getting the Warriors out of their motion system, making uh, making the movement difficult on them. And they have I think they've done a phenomenal job on Steph. Now that is including the fact that Steph did go off for 47 and had one of his best games ever in game three. But they did soothsayer's work on, on him tonight, as you just kind of touched upon. And I just can't see a world where they win without Durant at this point. I mean, they're, they're obviously just overmatched, tired, fatigued. They, they need some sort of burst some 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 sort of boost how come toronto's not tired well toronto for one thing this is their first finals ever um as as i was talking before we started recording with ann you know i think there's something to be said for the cumulative toll of chasing something and trying to maintain something for five years tomorrow i mean uh monday will be the 104th playoff game this team has played in these this five-year period which means they've played about um, one and a third extra seasons. Uh, and it you can see, I mean, I think we've seen them be a little tired in the past. There's never been, I don't think there's ever been a, a playoff run for them that's been, well, there hasn't been, that's been this grinding. I mean, 2016 was tough because they had the Oklahoma City uh, series and then they and then they lost to Cleveland. But they were young then, and and it was still relatively new. They were trying to defend a championship. Now, five years in, this is just, it's a grind, and you can just see it in the way, everything about it, from the media sessions to the travel to to playing the games. It It is a grind. It's tough for them. So 
Um, yeah, it, this is a huge challenge. How, how come uh, they're so tired? We look so fresh, the three of us. <laughs> you haven't looked in a mirror lately, Scott. <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah, no, in just kind of looking at the box score, the, the Warriors had 17 turnovers uh, a lot of those in the a lot of those in key moments um i think they just they just had a tough time doing what they want to do and then Kawhi leonard um yeah overall i've liked what the warriors have done defensively on him in this series but it's just so hard to stick with him for a whole game and what you saw in that third quarter was his kind of patient patient approach paid off and he was able to bulldoze his way to the rim hit some open jumpers uh had 17 points in that third quarter to power an absolutely dominant period for uh for the raptors um they they went on an 18-3 run to to really run away with it and the warriors normally they have that counter punch normally they they're able to respond to that kind of thing but tonight they just didn't have it in them they just they look they look dead, and you're looking at guys who normally step up in these moments. Guys like Andre Iguodala, um, you know, Andre Iguodala was kind of the main person, but obviously Steph Curry as well, who they just couldn't do. They couldn't provide that that magic that they're so accustomed to providing. It's kind of become the Warriors' signature during these five this five year run. Yeah, one thing um, I go back to the Showtime Lakers since I'm such an old guy, and uh, one thing that, that defined that team was was phenomenal runs. You know, they would, uh, the other team would hang with them and hang with them. And all of a sudden, they would just, like, shift into four extra gears and just leave the other team in the dust. And it would be so dramatic and so demoralizing for the other team. And, and the Warriors have always done that, too, all through their five-year run. They've had those, those, those phenomenal, that, that phenomenal ability of burst. And in this series, they've done that one time. They had the 18 nothing run starting in the third quarter of game three. And, 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 and that's been it. And the reality of the situation is that without Durant, with Clay hobbled at times, with Kavon hobbled, they need DeMarcus Cousins to be the perennial all-star version of himself. They need him to be that dominant low post presence. And for the second straight game, he was he was not bad. He was awful. Uh, he had three turnovers in the first two minutes of the game. And I'm not sure I've seen that in, at the NBA level ever on this stage. Um, and that kind of set the tone for his whole night. He finished with six points, four turnovers, two fouls, only played 15 minutes. And this is a guy who, you know, played 28 minutes in a surprisingly good game two, played only 19 in game three, and then played 15 tonight. He only played 19 and 15 because he was that ineffective. It wasn't because he physically couldn't do it. In, in a perfect world, they would want him to play closer to 30 because they need him. Um, but he was just that bad that they couldn't keep him on the floor. Yeah, it's very strange because you felt like after game two that that was going to be something he was building on. It was like, okay, he came back, he played a little bit in game one, and he, and then he came back and he, in game two, he, he had this amazing performance. So you figure you're going to build on it, and I don't, I don't, I don't really get how um, what happened in game two. He hasn't been able to to recreate. I don't know if he's trying to do different things. If he thinks he's he's more able than he is. I mean, he's you know putting the ball on the floor, which he shouldn't do. He's he's you know taking shots he shouldn't take. It's almost like he was like, oh, okay, I'm back. I'm 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 Boogie Cousins. I'm back and and the whole package. But he's not. He's still you know has to fit himself into this team, and it it just wasn't working. This feels 
like a more extreme version, like a more extreme microcosm of his regular season because in the regular season he'd have a really good game and then he'd have a really bad game or two. And he'd have a really good game and then he'd have a really bad game or two. And he never could get consistent. And I think a lot of it just is the fact that he hasn't been 100% healthy in well over a year, a year and a half now. He hasn't been able to string together a few months in a row where he can kind of get his feet under him because he he was just starting to kind of round into form uh, at the end of the regular season. And then he gets that, that quad injury in game two of the first round. And then he's out for a long while and isn't uh, just the fact that he comes back in the finals at all is, is a pleasant surprise. And now he's thrust into a situation where they, they need him to be a force. And he, he just, he just, can't I, I i i he there's times when he's out there where he looks just like a fish out of water like you see the deer in headlights look he just does not have it um and i was honestly su- surprised to see him come back as soon as he did I, I remember watching a scrimmage of his a couple days before he was cleared and he looked awful and honestly there were times watching him tonight where i was reminded of that scrimmage because he's the same guy i, I kind of feel like Game two was a little bit of fool's gold. Uh, he had a couple – he had some good sequences, but he wasn't – I think people kind of over, over blew, blew it out of proportion a little bit because it was such a surprise. But in the reality of the situation is he had a few good plays here and there, but that does not necessarily translate to being the guy when he's the starting center for a finals team. Yeah, he's definitely not the guy – um, in New Orleans before he got injured, who, who was a threat to go 35 and 20 every, almost every time out and, and did it a lot of times and had put up phenomenal numbers and did it with a lot of power and grace. And that's, we're just not seeing that guy. Maybe we'll never will. Yeah, no. And so I guess just kind of taking a step back and uh, in, in, in looking at surveying the landscape of, of this dynasty, um, if if they do what we what the odds would say they're they're probably going to do, which is which is lose this series, where does that put this team? I mean, are they just kind of are they just kind of another good team that had a nice run? Uh, you know, like early two thousands Lakers. You know, let's if if Durant leaves, like a lot of us think he's going to leave, and the Warriors have a tougher time making the finals and much less being a championship team. Um, where does that put us in terms of how we assess this guys? I think it'll still be considered a great run, a classic run. And one of the reasons is because of the way they did it, the way they kind of redefined and reshaped basketball with the three-point and with their with their dynamic offense they had and also with the defense and everything. They really kind of reshaped NBA basketball and basketball in general. Uh, but in terms of their overall giant legacy, this series was going to be the one that kind of did it for them regardless of what they did next year or what regards where Durant went, if they did four and five years, they, they could just tell everybody to kiss their fannies. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think that, you know, history books won't put an asterisk on this series, but certainly Warriors fans will always put an asterisk on this series because of the injuries. I mean, it, all teams are injured at this point in the season uh, to some degree, but when you lose Kevin Durant, especially at the level he was playing at, and the way he was, you know, almost carrying the team through the first couple of rounds of the playoffs, I think, you know, that just was a major, major factor in what's happening now. Um, 
I, I think they're going to be looked at as a as a good team. I think Steph Curry is, as many have called him, including Nick Nurse, a transformational player. So I think, I don't know that they'll be looked at as just like another good team. Like, um, I don't know, you know, the Miami Heat went to four straight finals. They only won two, but they but they went there. Um, I mean, I think they're going to be looked at a little differently than a team like that because of Steph and because of the way they played. And, you know, I mean, three, th a three-peat would be cool, but three in four years is, is not, you know, it's not bad. It's not like, it's not insignificant. Listen, listen to Ann talking after covering 20 years of this team not making the playoffs. <laughs> Uh, and and Scott, you know this better than I do. Wasn't there wasn't there a finals with the Lakers where they lost in the finals to the Pistons, uh, and they had a bunch of pretty serious injuries that really derailed them. Yeah, don't ask me the exact year, but the main injury was Magic Johnson went down with a uh, was a hammy, it was a serious hammy, so he couldn't play the rest of the series. And they, I, looking back, and I can't give you the specifics, but they would have won that series. I don't think there's any yeah, question. Yeah, but but the the thing about history and, and the history books is that no one, when they look back on that series, really talks about that or, or remembers that. What do you mean? I just did. Well, I mean, when when you talk about the bad boy Pistons, people aren't aren't kind of putting an asterisk next to that championship, saying, "Well, oh, well, they beat them when uh, when Magic Johnson was injured." I mean, it's just they won a championship, right. and that yeah. that is their legacy. They had, I think, they won two championships, and that was one of them. So, um, if and when the the Raptors win this series, they're going to go down as the team that dethroned the Warriors. They're going to go down as the team that potentially ended this dynasty, and. Uh, let's keep in mind if Kawhi stays, um, they could be really good for for a while. They have some really good young pieces. Pascal Siakam, yeah. uh, Kawhi Leonard is in his prime. Uh, Marcus Soltz has a couple good years left in him. Serge Ibaka has another couple years. Uh, the, the, all their bench guys are pretty young. So uh, if, if Kawhi comes back, you, it's hard to imagine a world where. The Raptors wouldn't be favored in a seven-game series against the Warriors, assuming, especially assuming that Durant is gone. Yeah. That's a, Speaking that's, of, that's oh, a pretty no. big if. That's as big an if as uh, I mean. The, if you're going to assume Durant's gone, you got to assume Kawhi's gone because basically yeah. they're following the same narrative. Um, and I don't. Uh, Kawhi is a very unemotional guy, and I'm not sensing that winning. You know, winning a championship, becoming you know the most popular athlete in Canada is going to really change his mind. I mean, I think his his path is probably already set, maybe even more so than Durant. So Toronto is also going to be a team that is undergoing a big transformation next year, probably just like the Warriors. And how, how weird is that, though? I mean, it's weird. it just it, 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 it goes against human nature it feels like if if you were in his situation and you won a championship, you have an entire country behind you uh, you're building something that can really be sustained for years to come. It, it feels just logical to want to see that out. And I know, I know that Kawhi is a different cat, but I also think it speaks to just kind of millennials and the way our society kind of operates now. I mean, the fact that uh, even if the Warriors won this series, I think a lot of people would still expect Durant to, to leave, even if he played a big factor in them winning the series. Um, 
just, just that would never even be a point of discussion, right? You know, right. 10, 15 years ago, right? And both those guys would be leaving phenomenal situations. Kevin Durant has said all along that that one of the things he's done here is study the entire organization from Bob Myers to Joe Lacob. He's gone to college with these guys because he wants to learn how to be an owner, and he's just knocked out by what how great this organization is. And they have the same thing going in Toronto now. They got the new young guy, the general manager, president, whatever you call him, who is taking the league by storm. Everybody loves the guy. They say he's a phenomenal basketball guy. They've got an enlightened ownership, the fan base, everything. You got pretty much these are two model franchises and. And taking a step back, people would say, why would anybody want to leave either of these places? Let's say, let's say just for the point of conversation that Durant does not play game five and the Warriors lose. And so Durant did not play the entire finals and they lost in five games. Do you think that makes him more likely to come back and say, hey, you know, look how much they needed me and they didn't have me. Well, I'm going to come back and I'm going to show them. Uh, how what my value is or do you think he kind of leaves and says hey anyone who questioned what I meant to that team just watch those finals all right peace what, what's more likely in your mind I think it would make him if, if that's a scenario it would make him less likely to come back because there would be such a the, this cloud of, of bad feelings there'd be fans saying oh Durant was a wuss he didn't come back he didn't and there'd be so much hate thrown his way and he pays attention to all that stuff and plus the team would be you know, there's still good guys and everything like that, but it would be an unhappy ending, and unhappy endings create sort of bad. Everybody walks off into the sunset feeling bad, and that would just, I think that would contribute to Durant being more likely to look around at another team. I think he's going to look around at another team anyway, so what? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're, the, the reality, we're talking about really weird hypotheticals the, the, here. The, the reality of the situation is that the hay is probably in the barn with that one, and I think he's gone. Regardless of what happens, but I it feels like he's gone, you know, I mean, that's that's the weird thing about this because after this whole season of Talking about Durant's future. Where's Durant gonna be? What's gonna happen? What's and then you know prematurely his his season is I mean, maybe he'll play Monday, but he's been completely invisible during the finals. He's he's um, we know he was in Toronto with the team and there was, you know, video of him and we saw him walking through the the tunnel to get to the locker room. But other than that, I haven't seen him at all. Nobody's he hasn't spoken. He's not on the bench. So it's it's almost like this has already happened. You know, it's yeah, very strange. It's almost it's almost oddly fitting in some ways because it just kind of reinforces what we all knew, which is that he's always been separate from the team. You know, he's never felt like a real fit in this organization. And I know that he hates that perception, but it's just reality. I mean, it's always been Durant and the Warriors for a reason. He's never it. Part of it is the fact that he came on board late, but part of it is just who he is and how different he is from the rest of the guys in that locker. Yeah, For instance, um, he and Steve Kerr have never had open warfare or anything like that. And Steve Kerr pretty much gets along with everybody and, but that's never been a, com- a really good fit. There's been four or five instances where Durant has openly challenged something that, that Kerr said. That, that's not the way I feel about it. That's not the way the team feels about it, that stuff. So that's never been completely in sync either. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it, it's going to be an interesting couple next couple of days. Obviously, the season and 
maybe even the dynasty could end Monday night in Toronto. Uh, and Scott and myself will all be there on the ground at Scotiabank Arena giving you the full download. So stay locked and loaded with us at SF Chronicle. And uh, if and when the Warriors do end up uh, moving on and their season ends, we will have tons of – there's not going to be – we're not going to be done having things to write about. It's only going to be the beginning. There's so much going on this summer, free agency, it all. So it's, I'm honestly excited because I just I just care about finding things to write, and there's tons of stuff to write right now. Yeah, and we be in the north soon, so check back with us. I want to thank Scott Osler and Ann Killian for joining me on the podcast. It's always fun chatting Warriors with them. Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at claterno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.